Hey, everybody, welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Lindsay Vaughn has been in the limelight for so long now, you probably think that you know her story. I certainly thought I did. But what most of us know is that Lindsey Vaughn is one of the best ski racers of all time and, without question, one of the toughest ski racers of all time. And while those things are certainly true, in the new film that debuts tonight, November 26th, on HBO called Lindsey Vaughn, The Final Season, Vaughn pulls back the curtain on her career and the steep price of her pursuit of the record for most World Cup wins. So in this conversation, I talked to the film's co-director and Teton Gravity Research co-founder, Steve Jones, about the making of this film, Vaughn's accessibility and emotional vulnerability, the hidden costs of pursuing greatness, and more. And then Steve and I also talk a bit about why he and his brother Todd started Teton Gravity Research nearly 25 years ago. We talk about their evolution as filmmakers, some of Steve's recent favorite films, and more. And so tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, you can catch the debut of Lindsey Vaughn, The Final Season. And before you do that, you can now listen to my conversation with Steve Jones and get a lot of interesting insight into the making of this film and into Vaughn's story. So let's get to it. Well, Steve, how are you today and where are you today? I'm doing great, thanks. I am in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Nice. At TGRHQ? I'm at the Teton Gravity Research World Headquarters. (laughs) Well, very good. And you've got a few things going on right now, including the HBO premiere of this Lindsey Vaughn film. And so I'd like to just start by asking, how did this project come to be and what's the backstory here? Um, So the backstory is that Todd and myself met Rick Bernstein at HBO probably close to 10 years ago now. Rick had um, seen some of our work and um, expressed interest in in it, in the, the quality and level of the cinematography. And we had kind of kept that conversation going in terms of being able to partner on a project together. Um, we, we happened to be nominated for two Emmys um, for a TV series we did with Outside TV, uh, Best Cinematography and Best Long-Form Storytelling, Documentary Storytelling, and HBO was in one of those categories with us. So we had bumped into Rick at the Emmys and, um, you know, like I said, had kind of really kept that conversation going and we're always interested in doing something with a company as elite and respected as HBO. Turns out that we released a film called Andy Irons, Kissed by God, that Peter Nelson, also from HBO, happened to see our premiere in New York City, uh, was really impressed with what he had seen and ended up going to Rick and saying, hey, Just saw the Andy Irons film that the TGR guys did. We really got to figure something out that, you know, we'd we'd love to get a project going with them. 
And then they approached us uh, with this with this Lindsay idea. Okay, so they approached you. Yes. And you said, perfect, because all we do is shoot ski racing films. So this is exactly in our wheelhouse. Yeah, right. Um, no, so like I said, we we had been wanting to do something with HBO for a long time. All of a sudden, everything really aligned. Um, Peter was really impressed by the documentary we did on Andy Irons. And then when they approached us with the idea of this Lindsey Vaughn film, obviously we're lifetime skiers. Um, you know, we, we, we love storytelling. We knew that there was a really interesting story to be able to tell here. And yeah, we, we love documentary filmmaking and we, you know, have made our lives working in, in the outdoor and adventure space. So given that ski racing isn't the thing that you guys certainly are maybe best known for, was there any pause in thinking, it feels like a fairly big responsibility here, I would say, like documenting the last season of one of the greatest ski racers of all time in a bit of a different form than you're used to shooting in? Was, was there pause about that or was there just mostly excitement about that? No, there, there definitely was not really any pause for that. I mean, I think that TGR is kind of where it is today because we, we, you know, we don't have any of those apprehensions about our capabilities. Um, we've also dealt with a lot of professional athletes and, and, you know, accessibility to Lindsay was a concern because these guys, you know, they, they, they do, they have to do whatever they can to protect a shred of their private life. Um, but, you know, we, we know that world really well. So we were excited. We had just come off the, a really sensitive film about professional surfer Andy Irons, who passed away from a drug overdose. And, and there was a lot of tiptoeing and, and you know, dealing with, with emotion and, and privacy and things like that. Um, we had spent over two years making that film. And so going into the Lindsay thing, we felt really well equipped to be able to tell that story uh, better than anyone, really. And and then, you know, the, the action component of it, I mean, that's, we have that all day long. You know, we work in far more averse environments um, than, say, a race course, you know, when you, when you consider it's kind of backcountry Alaska and the European Alps and things like that. So, um, so yeah, we, we really embraced it full on and just, you know, it was all, all excitement. So for people who maybe don't follow ski racing, closely or maybe even at all, what's your elevator pitch for why they should watch this film? You know, the Lindsay Vaughn film is something that as we dove into it, we realized the, the accessibility and the consumability and the human side to this story pretty quickly. I think um, there was a little bit of concern going into it that Lindsay had just lived this really storied life and had this unbelievable career and wanted everything that she did. And we pretty quickly realized that like this was going to be a story about about a person who had really overcome some incredible challenges and and through perseverance and and sheer will and 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 human spirit. Um, really, you know, achieved some amazing successes, but but that came with a lot of sacrifice along the way. And and you know, pretty immediately after the first trip, I think Todd and I looked at each other and we were like, 
this story is going to be relatable to anybody. You don't have to be a skier to, to relate to Lindsay's story. You have to understand human spirit and perseverance and character. Um, and, and this has all of those things. Yeah, for sure. And I can certainly say, having watched the film, that, and I'm somebody who would have said I felt like I had a pretty good handle on Lindsay's career. And I have to say, it, it was rather stunning. I mean, some of the things that I learned, and I, I do think this is a thing, I've talked about it on other podcasts, that I do think that we just tend to oversimplify pretty much everybody's story. And in the case of Lindsay, right? What do we always say? It's like, yeah, you know, one of the winningest skiers ever. Uh, she's on the cusp of becoming the winningest skier ever. And that's it, right? Or we talk about who she's dating at the time and that's it. I think one of the real, real accomplishments of the film is just tearing that down. This, the, the oversimplification of who this person is. And that certainly comes through in frankly a way that I thought was kind of Definitely surprising, maybe even shocking in the film. There's a lot of somber moments in a film where you kind of come in thinking like, I'm going to watch something about this person who just slays it all the time. Exactly, exactly. And that was, um, you know, that, that was really rewarding for us. We, we like I said, pretty we thought we had a pretty good handle on our career as well. And we, real, we realized pretty immediately, like, wow, there's way many, way more layers to the story and way more um, different levels of intrigue and complexity that you're going to be able to watch this film, may, say, maybe the way I watch a NASCAR racing film that I don't necessarily have any interest in, um, but all of a sudden is brought to life through this character and this person and this raw emotion. And, and that was the thing with the Lindsay film. We were... A lot of people going into it, um, with, again, with, with our, you know, level of excitement and like we can, you know, kind of achieve anything when we put our minds to it, but was that Lindsay, people have had historically had problems with accessibility to Lindsay in the past because to achieve what she's achieving and, and do it at that level Media, as you might imagine, can can be seen as a distraction, and um, we were very fortunate to to be really let inside of that world and and see a layer that that I that from my understanding she had never really revealed to anybody else, and and that's once we started realizing we were getting that, um, we were just going, oh my god, this you know story is just far more relatable than I think we had even imagined. Yeah, that's really interesting because she's she's raw. She is raw in this in this film. At times kind of painfully so, and you're like, you sure you want to be saying that on film? And and so for you to kind of remind me like, dude, that's not how she's rolled through her career. You know, I hope if people hear this first and then go watch the film, that's what you've just said provides a whole new level of context um, for just how open she is. Absolutely. And I think, you know, between um, our kind of, you know, sensitivity to, to that um, in working with a lot of pro athletes and also really, you know, knowing... Um, it's the, these things are never an easy path. So you need to just really 
kind of have an acute awareness of, of where an athlete or somebody is going to really let you in and let your guard down. And you have to navigate those waters and it doesn't necessarily come overnight. And then I also think that the HBO thing was huge in this because of how respected and elite of a brand HBO is. I think that that really gave us a layer of, of accessibility where, where I think Lindsay was just like, all right, this is it. I'm, I'm going all in and it's go and it's going out on HBO and, um, and I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to tell my story. So that was, it was pretty exciting. I want to back up for a second. We got to talk about the crashes and <laughs> the crashes are hard to watch. And I mean, you guys open in the first, like it's within the first seven and a half minutes, you just do a kind of crash reel and it's, it's hard to watch, you know, and Bodie Miller has one of the best lines in this film that I've ever heard when summing up what it's like to crash in a DH race. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember the line? I do. So I, I actually, Bodie was one of the interviews that I did and I remember kind of pressing on him and, and trying to explain to the layman what, what it's like crashing in a downhill race. And he dropped that line on me. He just said, just imagine jumping out of a, of a car at 80 miles an hour in a, in a speed, a piece of nylon separating you from the pavement Imagine what that feels like. And I just, I, I just remember going, being like, you just completely nailed it on the head because that, that just put that in so much, even for me, put it in. And again, we kind of, we grew up racing and just in the ski world. And when we started to realize the level and, and the, the stakes in this thing and how high they were, um, you know, pe people die downhill racing and um, or, or sustain injuries that are that are compromising for life, you know. So uh, it was yeah, it was it was a sh shocking kind of revelation. It's a great it's a great moment. And, and exactly like you just said, I was like, how have I never heard this before? You know, like that exact formulation. And he says it, you know, as Bodie can often do in such a matter of fact way. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, if you want to know what it's like, get in your car, start driving 80 miles an hour and then jump out, you know, and, and a huge part, obviously, of this film is the significant injury that Lindsay was dealing with in this final season. Yeah, it's um, like that. No, that she is she is beyond tough. And again, I think like what 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 I think that the film shows is that that commitment and perseverance and drive that's like, I'm not going to take no for an answer. And I'm going all in, like almost at any expense, like that competitiveness. And again, like that, that human spirit and the will to kind of overcome those challenges is, is just for one, it's remarkable. And for two, it's, it's, again, it's one of those things that it's, it, it, it's in some ways it's relatable to everybody um, just with the, 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 the magnanimity of, of the triumph and the sacrifice that, that comes with that. So I have to admit, this is another one of those things, just as someone who is a huge fan of Lindsey Vaughn and what she's accomplished, I do have to admit that there was a part of me that was like, I can't believe she's walking away right now. She's so close. She's right on the cusp. She's so tough. She's tougher than everyone else. 
she can gut this out. And if it and if it doesn't happen this season, she can definitely break the record next season. Having watched the film, that feels so ignorant and unfair to her. But it was a really helpful thing for me to kind of answer the question, like, really, why is she hanging this up right now? And you guys, you guys capture, no one can walk away having seen this film being like, yeah, she probably should have hung in there. Absolutely. I, I, I 100% agree. You know, it's easy to, for, for anyone who hasn't seen the film, to, to look at Lindsay's career and, go, and say, God, she's so close. Why doesn't she just take a breather, come back next season and do this again? But um, as you indicated, you see in the film that the extent of her injuries and how broken down her body is. And like she she's already done that five, five, at least five different times in her career where she probably should have stopped and just went and patched herself up and rehabilitated and so on and so forth. Like, you know, she's she's so far past that. I think that she she and she did that. She came back enough times that it was like that that was that was kind of it, you know, um, with without doing even potentially more, ex, you know, lifetime extensive damage to her body. Can I get a little bit philosophical on you for a minute? Sure. So this film really, really does an excellent job, I think, in framing a question that. I think is just a fascinating one whenever you are talking with or watching the most elite of the elite, the absolute best in the game individuals in whatever walk of life or in whatever medium, this whole question of sort of happiness versus greatness. And the Vaughn story is a perfect kind of example of exactly that she is very literally chasing this record you know all-time winningest ski racer in history and she's doing this clearly at the expense of a lot of at least near-term personal happiness certainly she's dealing with a lot of pain to get there and to break this record I guess I was curious you have been around so many top performers was there something unique or different about her story? Or were you like, this is actually more of a continuation of what we've seen a lot as we've been very near to a lot of people operating at the absolute highest level in a, in a particular sport? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would agree with you that, that, you know, when somebody is at the top of their game, they, they are largely looked at with, with envy and, um, you know, and and a very high regard for the successes that they've achieved. And the natural assumption is that person must be so happy. They're the best in the world at what they do. But with that success comes a lot of inherent pressure to, to, to perform and to, to be on stage and to, you know, really just be turned on all the time. If you're in public and, you know, in terms of like what you say and how you conduct yourself and, and, it comes at the expense of a lot of privacy, um, and 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 then I you know we do see that we see people like they they naturally they have to kind of put up walls and protectors around that, and and I think that 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 very often comes with um, 
kind of a, a, a safety mechanism where you, 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 they have to repress a lot of their emotion. Um, and, and, and again, it ultimately, it just results in a, in a lot of pressure that to, for them to, to perform and be turned on all the time. So I, I do think that that's a, that can be a common thing. Have you been around anyone in particular where they were living a really happy, and I'll use that kind of flat word, a really happy existence and also operating at the highest level? It's, you know, like I said, I mean, it's challenging because when you achieve that level of success, you're in the public eye and you're recognizable almost everywhere you go. I think that, you know, kind of what I... um you know, really saw pretty intimately with like the, the Andy Irons film um, and the success that he achieved, his real solace and break from all that was going back to the North Shore of Kauai, Hanalei Bay, where he grew up his whole life and everybody kind of knew Andy as Andy. And, and sure, there was a tremendous amount of pride um, surrounding Andy because of what he came from and where he came, where he, where he came from. But it was also like it was his normal place. Like people were like, I, I don't know. I've known him since second grade, so I don't need to like. Um, and I think that that's where he, you know, I, I think that any of these guys like probably when they can get into an environment that that, you know, they lived in before all of the success and fame came and, and people, you know, tend to treat them a more a little bit more normally because they've kind of grown up with them and around them. Um, that seems to be one kind of mechanism for, for getting a break from all of those pressures and external kind of obligations. That's actually seems like a really smart answer. Made me think actually about LeBron James, who is obviously somebody else who's, if not the best of all time, he's right there. And that's been a really important part of his story, right? And often he took a lot of flack for it, but surrounded himself with the guys that he was, you know, in middle school and high school with, and those are still his inner circle today. And and he seems to be doing okay, I'd say. Right, right. Well, dude, listen, there's a whole lot that we could keep talking about in terms of the specific Vaughn film, but mostly at this point, I kind of just want people to go see it. Again, if you're a ski racer, watch the film. If you're not a ski racer, watch the film. But uh, I, I think though, I kind of want to take a little bit of time before I have to let you go and just back up and talk a little bit about the Teton gravity research story. You guys have been at this for a while. When did you start TGR and why did you start it? Um, so we started TGR in 1995. We started filming. We Our first film, The Continuum, came out in fall of 1996. Um, my brother Todd and myself had been living in Jackson Hole, um, and we grew up skiing. We kind of started uh, doing some stuff with, you know, the whole free ride movement, which is like backcountry skiing, and people refer to it as extreme skiing. We were uh, sponsored athletes. We were sponsored by Rosignol at the time, who was a partner of Warren Miller's. We started skiing in some Warren Miller films. Um, and we, we really quickly realized like how staged some of that stuff was. And we were, we were young enough at the time that we were like, well, this doesn't seem right, man. Like, why can't you just, and, um, 
you know, film the whole thing instead of just like doing these little cutaway moments and things like that. And we were trying to drag them all around the back country and nobody wanted to drag gear that far out. And so at the same time, we were going up to Alaska heli guiding and commercial fishing every summer to, you know, make all our money back that we spent from the winter. Finally, we decided that we would take some of that commercial fishing money, pool it together, get a 16 millimeter film camera and start filming all of this stuff on our own and take these cameras to these crazy far out places that we couldn't get anybody else to follow us to. And TGR was born. 1995, 1996. Yes. And do you happen to know off the top of your head how many films you guys have made? I mean, over 50. I I do know that. Um, Some years we'll do, you know, a few films. In the beginning, we'd only do one film. Um, You know, we have a mountain bike film in production right now, two new snow films that we're about to start production on, Um, you know, some some more exciting stuff coming up with HBO. So a lot of things in motion. What would you say are the, like, maybe one or two biggest differences for you guys in terms of filming now versus back in, I don't know, 96, 97, 98, are the biggest differences in terms of what you've learned about filmmaking or would it be more the technological advances and new toys we have to do this stuff? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, you know, technologically, um, it's really plain to see it's changed so dramatically. Like we used to shoot everything on 16 millimeter film and, you know, one roll of film was three minutes. Um, you know, I think one of the, one of the first, uh, batches of film that we sent back to be processed, we came back negative red cause we had loaded the film in backwards. <laughs> oh, no. Um, you know, and, and three minutes was about a hundred bucks is what it cost by the time it was shot and processed, which, you know, felt like a ton of money at the time. And it was, um, you know, and you'd be out in the, in the elements trying to, you know, change your film under your jacket. So light didn't get in and so on and so forth. And now we shoot everything on digital red cinema, um, which has different challenges. You know, we, we always kind of laughed that like, Oh, we won't have to carry around all this film and so on and so forth. But you know, it didn't really make it any easier to be honest with you. It's just a kind of a different, set of challenges. And um, so, yeah, technologically, it's it's changed tremendously. Um, from a filmmaking standpoint, yeah, I mean, I think that, that both of us have continued to learn more and more and more along the way. And that's one of the things that keeps our jobs fun is like there's it's, it's a constant evolution. I got two questions following up on that. One, when you say that you know, carrying around reds now, you're like, oh, this is great. We don't have to mess with film, but that has its own new challenges. It, yeah, it's not a better, easier world, it's particularly in snow, like surf, maybe so, because you're typically dealing with, with a little bit better weather. But but the those old 16 millimeter film cameras, I mean, you, you could literally almost drop them in a pool and pull <laughs> them out and they, and they would still work. They were just that durable you know i think they were um they were they were the old like world war ii cameras and the reds you know it's a much more sensitive piece of equipment it's a lot less durable if they start to get wet um they'll shut down and they won't work for you and you know and then you you have memory cards that that you know yeah sure they're a lot um 
they're a lot, you know, more manageable than, say, film in terms of, like, what you're carrying around. But on the same note, like, when we would go out and shoot film, um, at the end of the day, you know, we'd label the film and it would be done and then it got sent off to processing. Like, now you have to offload all of the footage and, um, you know, go through that that whole process. And, and, you know, lots of times, like, our tech guys are working into the night to get the cameras prepped and ready for the next day. So... It's 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 just different. And then weight wise, you know, again, we kind of thought like these these Aeroflex film cameras were such beasts. You know, you you, you, the expectation would be that the camera would get um, a lot lighter. But that hasn't happened either because of battery packs and lenses and you still have your tripods and things like that. So it, um, you know, it's 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 really any filming in the environments that we film in is challenging no matter how you slice it, um, you know, ne- never mind like shooting in a studio, like then just throw in the fact that all these other variables between avalanches and cold and weather and wetness and things like that. And, um, you know, it's a pretty unique skill set. And, and th- that's probably actually one of our biggest challenges is finding people who can operate in those environments. There's a lot of great cameramen, but there's not a lot of great cameramen that uh, have the skill set to be able to, to could go into some of these zones. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys, <laughs> I was like, sometimes being the talent, you know, in front of the camera and you're complaining about having to get into a spot and it's like, dude, you're not the one carrying like the 60 pound backpack. So just shut right? up, you know? Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Here's to all the cameramen. Um, yeah. God, getting into the spots they do, dragging up all the super heavy stuff and it's an incredibly cool, talented community of badasses, basically. It's pretty wild. <laughs> These days, you know, you're busy making stuff, right? Which takes up a lot of time, obviously. How important is it to you, you know, to carve out time to be watching new documentaries? And maybe it has nothing to do with action sports, right? Um, no, we, we do watch a lot of other stuff. I mean, I, I obviously love, you know, that entertainment and that whole world. And um, I think it's really important to watch other people's work because, you know, you, you, you learn things from them and um, you know, as well as like just the, the, the sheer enjoyment of sitting down and watching a, a really well done film is um, you know, I, I definitely continue to do that on a pretty regular basis. Any favorite films you've seen recently or directors who, it's like so and so's dropping a new film. I'm gonna check this thing out first opportunity. I mean, yeah, we just saw. Um, you know, I love. We just saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so that's fresh on my mind. So I, I love Quentin Tarantino. Um, you know, th- I mean, really, there's a bunch. There's a there's a bunch of great great um, directors that that we respect. I just saw in the action sports genre. I just saw which I didn't even know exist. I found it. Um, I think it was on um, Netflix, but a film called Moment, which was about the whole free ride mountain bike movement that it turned out a bunch of our friends and colleagues were like some of the main characters in it. Um, You know, not nearly as slick as like something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but um, that gives you kind of a a, a pretty broad spectrum of, you know, and then there's all all the cool stuff in between. So um, I, I love film. I love entertainment and it's probably helped us a lot that we that we have an inherent and natural, um, you know, gravitational pull and intrigue 
in entertainment and film. Give me your, your personal top favorite three films that you've worked on. So I'm asking for a subjective answer here. I'm not like, what are the three best films TGR has ever made? But like your personal favorite, whether because of the, the, the making of the film itself or the end result for you personally. Um, I mean, I think The Continuum, which um, it was our first film and was inducted into the Ski and Snowboard Hall of Fame is a really special film and was a special experience for us just because the learning curve was so quick and the, the level of excitement when we first started getting film back is, um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that feeling. Um, Andy Irons, Kiss by God, just because of the, of the depth and the complexity and, and really the level of storytelling, um, you know, stands out hugely. And, um, and, you know, and then there's all the ones in between that. I mean, like Lindsey Vaughn is a really, was a really special one because of the fact that, you know, we, we finally kind of got to um, get into a partnership with HBO, which was a huge accomplishment. Um, some of the some of the TV series stuff that we've done that really kind of allowed us to to pull up the curtain uh, on terms of the behind the scenes. Like we did a sh- series called Untracked for Fuel TV, which was a Fox Sports Network. Um, you know, there's a there's a series that we did for outside TV called Locals um, with a dear friend who's who's since passed, who was the host, Eric Rohner. Those those are those were very special uh, times for us. So. So, yeah, I mean, I. I all of our films, you know, the, all the films that I've worked on have some level of, um, you know, just moment of, of you know, what would be the right word? Um, just a, a, that you have kind of great memories from and deep affection for and a, on a really, really intimate level. It's really, it's not unlike, I would imagine, somebody who has 12 kids, right? Yep. <laughs> Like you, 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 every single one of those is, has some really, really special meaning to you and makes you smile in some ways. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and they're all different. <laughs> well, so the Lindsey Vaughn film comes out tonight and that means you're thinking about and working on other things. Um, any new projects that you are particularly interested in? Uh, yeah, we just had a um, a crew come back from India and Utah. They were uh, shooting a mountain bike film that's coming out this spring called Accomplice. And we are in pre-production on our, um, our annual snow film. We have another uh, snowboard project that we're working on with my other brother, Jeremy Jones. And, uh, and maybe the most, I mean, they're all exciting, but we are, um, working on a new four part series with HBO. We had a, such a, um, you know, fluid and, and really a successful partnership on this Lindsey Vaughn thing that it, that hopefully it kind of set a platform for us to do a lot more together. Well, a new four part series with HBO, that is a very tantalizing way for us, I think, to leave this particular conversation. But with that, Steve, it's been really fun uh, getting to talk about this film. I'm very excited for people to watch this thing that you've put together. And um, that's got to feel good to, to get this one out to the world now. Absolutely. Now, we couldn't be, couldn't be more fired up. So I hope people enjoy it. 
Well, cool. All the best with this film coming out and all the other stuff you've got in the hopper. Yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking the time. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Steve for the conversation. And be sure to catch the debut of Lindsay Vaughn, the final season, tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on HBO. Thanks also to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. And if you are enjoying these conversations, we would ask you to tell your friends about the show and leave us a nice rating in iTunes. Thanks, everybody. Now, please take good care out there. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you again next week.